Hello, this is How to PhD, episode number 36. This week, we're going to be talking about the three most common mistakes that PhD students make when emailing their supervisor and how you can step up your email game. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Aaron and I'm joined by my co-host, Julia. Hello. And this week, Julia, is all about emails, right? Exactly. And I think they're really crucial in academia. I think a lot of researchers um, tend to prefer emailing people before they pick up the phone <laughs> and make a call. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure whether that's different in industry, um, but definitely, yeah, they're really crucial. And um, I think I was really lucky that both my supervisors were very responsive when it came to emails, but um, not all collaborators um, during my PhD were that responsive. And I think there were a few strategies that I developed um, during the PhD that helped me to get better responses and faster responses as well. Exactly, yeah. And I think, you know, perhaps a lot of this email culture is changing with things like Teams and Slack. But I guess, as you say... Slack? What is Slack? Slack is a a platform for kind of sharing messages. It's basically a messaging platform um, and getting work done. And, uh, you know, I think it's important to really get that right. And I guess a lot of the, you know, when we're thinking about it, email culture comes from that sort of Uh, culture of writing you know physical letters uh, which is a very different thing and I think you know for one people never really got 50 plus letters in a day right (laughs) you would just never get that coming through your post Um, and the second is you know back then it was a thing where you you know you did write long letters because you took the time to read it and to respond uh, and that's just not the case with emails. so going in with that kind of mentality is probably Mm -hmm. the wrong way to look at emails and so that's what we're going to be diving into today uh, are some of the things that we found were the most common mistakes that we made certainly I made this plenty of times in my in my early years um, yep. but the most common mistakes we identified with emails and everything you need to know uh, to avoid making them so let's talk about the first most common mistake which is not defining the actions you need so not defining the actions you need in your email is probably the number one mistake that I see in in a lot of emails and it's really kind of you know writing these really long detailed emails with with lots and lots of information and that could be very well written you know so well in fact you know with perfect language and everything Um, but crucially when you have these kinds of long emails actions but yeah, particularly actions, the things you want to get out of it from your supervisor will get lost. And I'll give you an example of my colleague who um, was having all sorts of problems with some uh, equipment, uh, some technical equipment. It was a very technical problem. Um, and he gave, you know, the emails he was sending were incredibly, incredibly detailed going into the problem, exactly what was happening, all the conversations he had around it. Um, and then by the time he got to actually what he needs them to do, he found that supervisors were not really replying to the email because they didn't actually realize there was an issue in the email. Mm. Like they could see it was a kind of summary of a problem, but they didn't actually know that there was an action in there. So Mm. this is a really important thing and probably one of the key reasons why you're not finding, uh, if if you don't get your replies to your emails from your supervisors in time, this might be one of the key causes. So what can you do? So one of the easiest things you can do is to use the email subject, so the subject line, um, and, and writing that in a way that it has a very clear action requirement right at the top. So uh, you could write your subject to be, for example, eye tracking issue, colon, need suggestions on an approach mm. to take. Uh, you could say another subject could be journal paper for nature, 
right? Colon, please review by nature. Friday 40. Yeah, I put nature in there just because <laughs> we want our listeners to aim high, right? Um, so there we, you know, we're summarizing the thing, uh, what we what we want, and specifically there's an action that we want from the supervisor right there in the subject line. Mm. Yes, and I think what I try to do in my emails also to help um, or hold my supervisors or whoever I'm talking to accountable or reminding them of what they agreed to do. Or So, for example, I might say something like, oh, thank you for agreeing to provide feedback on my draft, with, which I have attached now, um, or as discussed in our last meeting, right? Just to remind them yeah. they agreed to do something for you in case if that's the case, if that's the action you want to prompt. And I think, yeah, having a really clear deadline in the email. Um, so, for example, um, ask yourself, when do you need their feedback and when do you need to submit the work? Right. Because that's two different things. Maybe you have to submit um, your conference abstract um, in a month. But obviously, if you want to make changes to it and you have to calculate that your supervisors might take time um, to review your abstract, then, of course, you have to consider that. So giving really clear, clear details will be really helpful. And then I think really important is also to ask your supervisor to confirm whether those deadlines are still okay for them. Because sometimes um, I think you, you provided a deadline and what if you then don't hear back on the day of your deadline, right? I think that can be a huge problem. So I think it's always good to just like double check. Sorry, could you confirm whether that still suits you? Or I mean, they might go on, on annual leave or something. Um, and just to have a short reply from them, can you please confirm? Yeah. And then they send a yeah one text email like, yes, that still works or no, actually um, I have to move that around. I think that's really important. And then maybe one more point that comes to my mind is um, to use bullet points in the email, I think to shorten the amount of paragraph in the text and um, to formulate questions really clearly, because I think sometimes they're kind of hidden in the text. So for example, um, I see phrases like, oh, I'm wondering whether I should, I don't know, uh, continue to collect the data this way or whether I should make changes to that. That might not actually prompt the supervisors to give a response to that, I think, because it sounds like you're, you're still thinking you're about just, that, you're right? You're wondering, right? In, yeah. Instead, so always phrase questions directly as, do you think I should do this or that? Um, and I think then they really feel more forced to, to reply to that. And what my supervisors sometimes do, if I make a list of questions, um, quite de detail, uh, not, not detailed, but like, yeah, quite clear questions, um, and then they just provide... Um, in their responses, the responses just directly under the questions. Um, so I think that has been quite useful. Yeah, you're almost giving them a format for the email by exactly. giving them those bullet yep. points. You're kind of just getting them to answer in mm -hmm. those spaces behind, uh, underneath the bullet points. So it's re really mm -hmm. important, really simple tricks. You can use things like formatting. So, you know, make those bullet points bold, you know, to define mm -hmm. uh, the things that you want to highlight as actions. Um, and generally, you know, uh, a phrase that I've been guilty of using and I've seen in different emails as well is uh, if you find yourself writing the phrase, sorry for the long email, but then it's probably too long, right? So instead of writing mm -hmm. that, just take the time to shorten down the email. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, the main thing to take away here is really highlight those actions that you want someone to take from the email. Give them the context, of course. Give them that information mm -hmm. um, in as, as succinct uh, as, as you know, succinct a method as possible. Um, if it's too complicated for just an email, then suggest setting up a meeting. But 
defining that action is going to be so clear. It's, it's so important, particularly for supervisors who are really busy. So define those actions in your emails. Cool. So the second most common mistake that we see is not providing a clear context. So the second most common mistake is not providing a clear context. So the important thing to remember is that supervisors might get, you know, up to 50 emails a day on many different subjects, you know, and, and, and not all of them will be around kind of students and things. It will be about funding and all sorts of different things. So the important thing to remember is don't assume that they'll remember exactly, you know, what you were talking about, um, particularly from a previous meeting. So if you start talking about something, um, it's very likely that they won't have a clear memory of that exact conversation. So what can you do? Uh, well, I think the main thing is really to provide really good context. So for example, you know, find, um, you can say, please find the draft attached uh, with your comments about structure, which I addressed from the last meeting, right? Um, so you're kind of giving it that clear, um, you, you're using that thing from before, right? So please find the draft attached. Actually, we can improve that example by saying, um, you know, please provide your feedback on this draft, right? Because you're defining that action. Uh, and then you're giving a clear call to the context, right? With your comments from the last meeting. And then they'll read that and they'll think, okay, yeah, I remember I gave feedback on that. Uh, and that was something that, that I was waiting to, to hear back from them. Mm. I sometimes do as well, like a section on where they can, yeah, see more context or something. So um, like a bit background to my questions, and then like the clear questions. So they can first check the questions, go straight into the actions that are required from them. Um, but then if in case they don't remember, they have a little bit of context in mm. the email. And I think when attaching a draft, I think it's quite important to um, make it really user friendly for them. Just thinking from their perspective, what's the easiest way to get straight away to the sections maybe where you have um, questions on or where you want feedback on. Um, so providing in the email already, um, please have a look at all the highlighted sections or page whatever it is, um, I think helps them as well to just speed up a little bit. Obviously, yeah. if you want feedback on the whole draft, fair enough. But um, it might be after revising drafts several times or maybe you have urgent questions that need to be clarified before you go into more detail. So I think, yeah, just making it really user-friendly for them. Yeah, and I think that's a really, you know, in combination with that previous point around defining actions, you know, mm. you can have that as bullet points in the email, mm. you know, go to page this, go to page that, um, mm. and highlight the specific actions that you want them to take. Really, mm. really important. We're making it difficult for listeners because we said in the first, but like keep it short and now we're saying provide more clear context. But I think finding the balance between them, and I think the most important thing that you on one glance that you have a structure, right? So it's not just like one super long text, right? That you can see, okay, bit of context, here are the questions, here are the actions. That makes it just easier to read, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's about structuring. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. Um, and I think, you know, very useful thing in addition to that is to just provide a one sentence summary of your last interaction just at the top of the email. Mm. Uh, so, for example, you can just before you say anything, you can just say to recap last week, we discussed the methodology chapter and how to structure the discussion. And you, again, you can put this in bold. Um, and in addition to a good subject line, which we talked about in the previous point, you know, now we're beginning to get an email that's very highly targeted to exactly what you want to get out of it. Mm, yeah one last thing of course with attachment and this happened to me unfortunately several times that I sent my email and then I 
uh, either like I noticed or my supervisor that oh Julia you forgot the attachment and it's just annoying <laughs> I think for both sides um, so yeah always double check before you send your email um, that you have um, like put the attachment and also that it was the right draft because sometimes if for example if you're writing your thesis or chapters you will have thousands of versions of that and sometimes you don't attach the last version <laughs> and then the, they will be working on their feedback um which will be on an outdated draft and they can basically start again so yeah, yeah. just be mindful about that. i think some services like gmail actually point out if you haven't attached it it's quite quite really? yeah oh. if, you, if you kind of write in the text please find the attached and you haven't attached it will kind of just it'll pause before oh, you send it and just, really just ask you to, to remind you but that's not that that's not the case with most mm. email programs that you so yeah really good tip there uh i've done exactly that not attached it. and then you have to send a second email to with the attachment saying ps apologies for the double email and blah 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 and it just you know you just, the, the communication breaks down mm. so Take that extra second to double check those things um, and really define the context and those actions that you want. So uh, the last thing that we've seen, and, and I think this one is, is quite interesting. It needs a bit of a careful balance, but it's not following up with a reminder email. Okay, so let's talk about the last most common mistake that we've seen, which is not following up with a reminder. Now, as we said in the previous section, yeah, this needs a bit of a careful balance. But essentially, you know, if we think back to our working with a supervisor episode, right, we talked a lot about setting expectations for communication times and when you expect to receive a reply and things like that. Um, so hopefully, you know, straight away, you have a pretty good idea of the kind of time frame that you should expect an email reply. Okay, but if that's not the case, and an email and you kind of haven't heard back um i don't know julia i i kind of think three working days is a kind of reasonable time frame for like a typical kind of phd question would you agree with that um i think yeah i, th I think i try to email quite fast like, or reply quite quickly i think um i think yeah as you said it's, it's really balanced as well in terms of writing emails some people i think wait two weeks and then send you all the questions that i have and then there are people who like send you um free like more iteratively emails with like ongoing problems and there can be advantages and disadvantages to both things but i think yeah i think generally if you're not super urgent it's, it's definitely reasonable i think to yeah to wait three working days yeah. unless otherwise agreed i would say yeah I, th I think this is one of those things that hopefully you would have agreed this but this is just a very general rule of thumb mm. um Unless, of course, it's urgent. And I think this mm. is where there's a bit of a sort of nuance to, to all of this. Mm. Um, I think the, the main thing to remember is that, as we said you know, previously in the show, you know, um, supervisors can get so many emails that often you, you, your email will just get pushed to the bottom of this chronological pile. Um, mm. If you happen to send your email at you know, in the same hour that they've received a whole bunch of other ones, or perhaps they've gone on a lunch break and then the email new email pile is accumulated and then yours has just ended up at the bottom mm -hmm. by chance um you, you, it might not ever get seen mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. this is why it's important to follow up with a reminder so um i think of sending a reminder email with the same subject line as the one you sent previously but with a kind of you know in brackets or square brackets at the end to say um reminder from tuesday's email or gentle reminder if you want to be extra polite um but basically just sending that again with 
basically, yeah, the same subject and just sending that. Hopefully that will just then push your inquiry inquiry mm. or email uh, up to the top of mm. the inbox and, and, and hopefully that will be enough to kind of trigger a response. If you still don't get a reply, Julia, you have some experience of this, right? With, with, not not well, with your supervisors, but in different no, contexts. Right? Yeah, for example, I think with journals, right? Sometimes that can be more than three <laughs> days to hear back from a journal. It could be a month, it could be a year. Anyway, I think, um, but then, yeah, just asking um, or referring to the dates that you previously emailed them. So for example, saying, um, so I've emailed you um, like, in, in March and February, but I, unfortunately I haven't heard back. I appreciate you're very busy or maybe um, you might not have seen my email, but I wanted to ask because this and that. Um, and I think what is really powerful <laughs> as a tip, um, if you're yeah, experiencing that people really are ignoring your emails and you're not getting a response. And I think I've felt with that like that um sometimes my phd um with collaborators on the project um i think they were just super busy and my project wasn't their highest priori priority um which is fair enough but i needed to get my phd run right and done so what i then did sometimes not in the first email not in the second email but when but maybe after the second time that i cc people who were kind of their line managers or my supervisors um, into the email. And I really Ooh. felt um, so it was really helpful. It's, <laughs> I it's got like bringing response. in the big guns, right? Yeah, but I think, yeah, unfortunately, sometimes I think it's like that, especially as PhD student, you might get more ignored. But as soon as you put someone higher up into the email, like your supervisors, and also I think it makes your supervisors aware that you have been like trying really to contact that person, um, but that you're just struggling. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, um, I guess might be a bit passive aggressive. Yeah. I, I guess if, works. if you're, for example, in the situation that your supervisor is the most senior person in the department, mm. then there are contacts at the grad school and things. And I'd say, you know, perhaps it's worth talking to the grad school and, and talking to your supervisors in a meeting, um, mm. to kind of perhaps yeah. discuss this. And then if it's still not resolved, um, then see yeah. seeing people yeah. in just to show that you are attempting to to communicate with them i think is is really uh quite That's important right, thing. Yeah. um and did you find so you found that doing this did was get very things effective moving? i think yeah, yeah definitely yeah yeah okay well there you go um <laughs> no and, and i think it's it's something that i've done as well if i want to just kind of give a bit more weight to the email let's say if i'm email not perhaps not my supervisors but perhaps another academic mm. uh and i just want that email to have a bit more weight where it can't really be ignored uh then just That's ccing it, yeah. my initial email to the yeah. to that person um yeah. usually helps yeah. just prompt or it. just referring to it so like i'm like phd's and this is my supervisor we're working together sometimes just having the name of someone else that they might know in the email i think can also be helpful yeah exactly um, maybe one last thing because i think we haven't mentioned that but i think it's always important with emails always be polite be friendly um be clear of course with what you want but, but i think it's always good practice to start by saying dear something something or hi something and then starting not not straight away maybe going to topic but saying oh it was good to see you like referring for example for our last meeting or last chat it was good to talk to you it was really helpful for me 
and then get to what you want to do i think that's just just manners <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i think yeah when when yeah, when we sort of talk about contextualizing doing that in a kind of way that's also friendly but yeah it connects on a sort of human level instead of just purely on a you know academic project level yeah because um, i think the tone is really important right in yeah. the response if i get an email that's written friendly i'm more likely to want to reply to that right if, um and yeah, I think balancing this, how many emails do you write? Because I think, again, if your supervisors, if you're a person and you send your supervisor 100 um, emails a day with loads of little questions that might resolve themselves after a couple of hours, um, I think then they might not take your emails that serious. But if you balance it right and really not wait, of course, until the last, until something is really urgent, but in a reasonable way, I think... Um, emailing them um, with a structured email then they're also more likely to know okay if this person emails me then they really need something from me it's a bit right. like the tale of the boy who cried wolf right i mean you oh, don't, what i don't know that <laughs> tell me more you, you can you could google it but it's basically the same same story yeah. right it's like continuous communication sort of lessens the the impact of when you really need help oh, so. right there you go <laughs> a, little, a little little fairy tale parable to to uh, round it off so hopefully this has given you some tips to try and navigate this a uh, little bit. I, I, you know, I'll admit email is a really awkward format, which I think there are many newer ways and better ways to communicate, but it's the one that we're stuck with. So hopefully this has given you some tips to really try and navigate using these things. So going from defining the actions you need very clearly in the email, using that subject line to do a lot of the work for you, using bullet points and formatting, um, giving them a clear context as well, reminding them of what the previous meeting was and exactly where the question sits in your wider work. Uh, and then taking that time to just hopefully you know that they reply within the time frames that you agreed but if not then sending a gentle polite reminder to keep things going hopefully these tips will give you uh, good tools good set of tools to master your emails as you move through your phd well here we are at the end of another episode i can't believe we're nearly at our one year anniversary of the show which is just incredible that we've <laughs> come this far and uh, one so wonderful to have so many of you listeners uh, joining us of course, if you do know someone who could benefit from How to PhD and, and the content that we produce, then please do share this with them. Let's get the word out and, and get more pe more students feeling supported during their doctorates. Um, of course, and if you enjoy listening to How to PhD and you'd like to support us, you can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or on Audible or by visiting our website at howtophd.show and leaving a small donation through Buy Me A Coffee. Again, as we say every week, we're so grateful to everyone who is so generous, particularly in these difficult times, um, to donate to the show. It's really massively appreciated uh, and we are so grateful for everyone who supports the show that way. Um, do get in touch. Contact at howtophd.show is the email. Twitter and Instagram at howtophdshow, which we're now, particularly Instagram, which I'm now working on doing a few more updates on there um and so that's i think that's everything oh and one-to-one -one, as you mentioned one-to-one -one at howtophd.show is the email address if you are interested in signing up to a free 30 minutes to talk to us directly about anything related to your phd next week julia is another really good one going back to our proper i think our, our roots of like really practical phd skills right yeah it's going to be about how to balance your time writing papers versus writing your thesis how to prioritize it how to manage it and yeah hopefully that will be useful 
Yeah, that's right. It's one of those things that uh, I was certainly didn't quite know、mm. how much time to spend writing the thesis versus actually how much time do I spend writing the journal. But as you say, there are some really cool things that you can do, little tips and tricks、uh, where you can use that kind of journal publishing to your advantage. So lots of, of good stuff coming next week. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening, and we will see you all next time. <laughs>